Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our service here at Heathervale Baptist Church. Um, a great welcome to all of those who are here in the sanctuary. Um, and just a very quick notice for those of you who are actually here in the sanctuary. It's nice and warm this morning. There's a nice airflow coming through. But just to say that um, you can stand, you can dance, but you cannot sing, and you must keep your mask on during the whole service. Um, the only time you can take your mask off is for the prayer time, if you want to pray. There'll be somebody with a microphone. If you want to pray, then please um, raise your hand and somebody will come with a microphone to you. I don't have any other specific notices to give. Welcome to all of those here on Zoom. I'm just giving a wave out to those on Zoom. Um, and hopefully they're waving back. They're all waving back. That's fantastic. Apparently, if you wave your hands, you create more airflow. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Fantastic. Um, just to say that if you want prayer after the service, then uh, Nigel is our, our, our guru on Zoom this morning, and he's available on 07770-704987. So if you, um, if you want prayer after the service, um, for those on Zoom, for those here in the, in the sanctuary, unfortunately, it's a little bit more difficult, um, so, uh, but we'll, we'll deal with that later. Um, anyway, before we... Before we, before we um, carry on let's just let's just quieten our hearts and let's just uh, come with a word of prayer father god we thank you that you are an amazing god we want to come before you this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts we want to give you praise and honor and blessing for who you are you're an amazing god and so we just come now to give you thanks amen we're gonna sing a few songs um and give god really give god the glory
Praise this morning for who you are. I stand in awe of you. I stand in awe of 
so glorious and true. I stand in awe. I stand in awe. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to raise your name on high. We're going to open up the Zoom mics. Um, if you want to, to give praise to God, then please do. If you're in the sanctuary here and you want to give your praise to God, then just raise your hand and somebody will come with the, uh, the microphone. But let's just give God glory. He's, today, of all days, let's just give him the glory. Here's a reading from the first book of Kings. King Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border with Egypt, and their people served him all the days of his life. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure so that his wisdom surpassed all the peoples of the East and of Egypt. He was wiser than all other men. Solomon encouraged people to know the Lord as there is no other God and to walk in his statues and keep his commandments. What good advice. Amen. Lord, I thank you that despite restrictions that we have, Lord, we aren't restricted in praising you. In meeting together now, we're not restricted, and we thank you for that. But even when we couldn't meet, Lord, there was no restriction, Lord Jesus. You are beyond, you are beyond coronavirus, Lord. You are beyond all else, Father God. I just thank you that you reach with us where we can't reach each other people, Lord, I just thank you that there's no restrictions in, that, in your love for us and us worshipping you. Amen. Thank you that when, when we sing, we stand in awe of you, the you that we're singing about is the almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And what are we doing? We're here to sing about you, to praise you, to adore you, because you are also our Jesus, our Savior. Hallelujah. Yes. What a Savior. Amen. 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 grateful that we can come into your presence stand in awe of you not because of anything that we have done but God, what you have done because of your love because of sending jesus down to die on that cross for us for our redemption for our salvation for the restoration of our relationship with you father oh we just thank you lord that you are present with us now this morning and all of us who know you lord who seek you that you want to do great things with us lord you want to reveal yourself to us open our hearts and our souls to you, Lord, today, that we want to receive from you your blessing, 
and your love and your Holy Spirit just working within us, Lord. Just thank you that your God, he doesn't distance himself from his people. You want to dwell amongst us. You want to touch us, Lord. We just thank you for everybody that's listening in for here today, Lord, that you can just reach and touch each one of us, Lord, as we open ourselves up to you. You're an amazing God, a loving God, Lord, and we just praise you for who you are. Hallelujah. Amen. So we thank you and praise you, God, that you are an amazing God, one that we can come before day after day and give thanks and praise. Lord, we continue to, to, to just lift before you our, our country, our communities, Lord, um, with possible more delays happening. Lord, we just want to, to ask for you to give us patience. Lord, would you give us um, hearts that are willing to share you in these situations? We know that you are... God of all things, we've just been singing, who can know the mind of our creator? And Lord, as we've been going through a pandemic, who can know the mind of our creator? It was the same questions that, that Solomon asked. Um, and sometimes he thought everything was folly, and yet he knew that God was in control. And Lord, we know that you are in control. So we pray for our leaders. We pray for those in charge. Lord, while we've got a GSM summit here, we know that there are world leaders gathering together. Lord, we ask for you to give them wisdom in all that they do. Um, and Lord, we do pray for our community, Lord. We pray for those who need in our community, those who today don't have enough to eat. Lord, we ask for you to supply their need. Lord, we thank you for the initiatives that go on in this church, Lord, things like Let's Do Lunch. We thank you for that. And Lord, we pray that you would just continue to minister into those situations. But Lord, we want to see you lifted high. And so that's our desire this morning. And so, Father God, we ask all these things in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So now we have one of Mark's amazing videos coming up. Um, and we're looking forward to hearing what he's got today. So good morning, everyone. And this week, I thought I'd do a bit of an introduction because last week we just went straight into the video, didn't we? And some people said to me that they missed me saying hello. So hello to all of you, whether you're in church or watching on Zoom, which is, of course, still church, isn't it? Or whether you're even watching on YouTube later. Good morning. And it's great to see you. So today we're finishing our series in Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's a wisdom series. And Martin will be looking at Solomon's conclusions. Um, and Solomon concluded that we need to follow wisdom and listen to the wise. So in our video this morning, I thought we'd look at one of Jesus' parables because all wisdom comes from God and Jesus. The Good Shepherd and His Sheep from John chapter 10. So 
Jesus had been traveling around healing people. He'd just healed a blind man and was teaching the people about spiritual blindness. So he told them this story. I tell you the truth, anyone who climbed over the wall of a sheep pen to get to the sheep, rather than going through the gate, is surely a thief or a robber, because the shepherd will always go through the gate, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his flock, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run for him because they don't know his voice. Now, the people listening didn't really understand what Jesus was saying. So he continued, this is what I mean. I am the gate and the shepherd. Some came before me and they tried to lead the sheep away, but they were thieves and robbers. My true sheep didn't listen to them because I am the gate. Those who come into the sheep pen through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. Yes, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A paid worker will run away when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't really their shepherd. So the wolf attacks and scatters the sheep and the employee runs away because he's only interested in money and doesn't really care about the sheep. No, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for my sheep. I have other sheep too. And they're not in my sheepfold yet, but I will bring them in also. They will listen to my voice and they will be one flock and one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I may take it back up again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down and take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. Now, the people listening still didn't really understand what Jesus was saying. And they asked him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are really the Messiah, the chosen one of God, why don't you tell us plainly? Jesus answered, I have told you over and over again, but you did not believe. Everything I do, healing the sick, teaching you to love one another, showing you how you should live your lives, putting God first, then others before yourselves, show that I am 
who I say I am. But you still do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and do what I say. They know me and I know them, so they will follow me. I give them eternal life and no one can take them away from me. My father has given them to me, so they will live with me and the father forever because I and the father are one. So in this story, Jesus is explaining that to have a full and satisfied life, we need to put our trust in him and to follow him, just like a sheep trusts and follows a shepherd. He also tells us that there are still other sheep that aren't part of the flock yet, so that we need to follow Jesus' example and share the good news that there is hope to be found in Jesus in what sometimes seems a hopeless world. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters and refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So let's choose to follow Jesus' example. Let's choose to put our trust in him today. Wasn't that amazing? <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Um, so uh, we're now going to have the reading. So, Mar uh, so Martin is, is, is finishing off um, his series in Ecclesiastes. Um, just remembering from when we first started and, um, you know, we were hearing that everything was folly, everything was rubbish, everything was wrong. Um, and Solomon couldn't really see anything good. And yet, by the time we get here, he's seeing that wisdom and following God is the right thing to do. So we're starting in chapter 12 at verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all things have been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's just pray for Martin as he comes. Father God, we pray that you would just impart wisdom to us this morning. Impart wisdom to Martin as he speaks. Lord, as we've just read, help us to follow the shepherd's voice. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, good morning, uh, everyone here and uh, on Zoom. Good to have you with us. Um, so we come to the end of uh, Ecclesiastes this morning. Um, and really, the message this morning is the heart of, of the book. If you wanted to summarize the wisdom literature, literature, and in particular Ecclesiastes, here it is really, fear God and keep his commands. That's uh, really what all of the wisdom literature and particularly the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. Um, and that's uh, Solomon's recipe for a happy and fulfilled life. Fear God and keep his commands. Very simple. Um, everyone is searching for a happy and fulfilled life. Everyone. Um, your work colleagues, your family members, the people who live next door to you, uh, the people who you volunteer with, Everyone has this in common. They are searching for meaning and purpose and happiness in life. And what Solomon found, and what so many of us have found, is that if we pursue happiness, contentment, meaning pur and purpose in created things, good things, like family or career or jobs, or possessions, or holidays, or food, or pleasure. All of these things are good in themselves, but if we pursue fulfillment and contentment in these things alone, we will find that our contentment is like smoke or mist, which we can't get rid of, and the contentment seems to disappear and vanish, a bit like smoke just dissipates in the air. The food may be really tasty. Um, the book may have been really good. Time with friends is really good, but these things come to an end. Uh, C.S. Lewis, who I uh, recommend uh, you, you read, uh, sums this up really well in uh, Mere Christianity. He sums up this search that all humanity has for happiness in this way. He says, I quote, most people, if they really learn how to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of visiting some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us, are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can ever really satisfy. I'm not speaking of what would ordinarily be called unsuccessful marriages or trips and so on. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. There is always something we grasp at in that first moment of longing that just fades away in the reality. The spouse may be a good spouse. The scenery has been excellent. It has turned out to be a good job, but it has evaded us, end quote. And of course, the it that Lewis is referring to is lasting satisfaction and lasting contentment and joy. And Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes that lasting contentment and joy can only be found in the context of a relationship with God. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 24. There is nothing better for a person 
than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For the one who pleases him has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. Isn't that great? God gives us wisdom and knowledge and joy in our relationship with him. Um, so, folks, as a Christian, God wants you to be filled with contentment and joy. It's good news, isn't it? Yeah. He wants you to enjoy food and work and all of his good gifts. He wants you and I to enjoy a good book. He wants you and I to enjoy the beautiful sunshine that he's created. He wants you and I to enjoy sports and leisure and pleasure but what he's saying here is that you can only fully enjoy these created things when you love and serve the creator, who is the giver of these gifts. You see, if you try to find meaning and purpose and satisfaction and joy in created things on their own, you will find that contentment is like smoke, which just drifts away and you can never grasp. It's there for a moment, but it goes. But a relationship with God, fearing God and keeping his commands leads to lasting joy and contentment. And the good book, time in the garden, sports, leisure are, in my view, an added bonus that we give thanks for. These are the pleasures that God gives to his children to help us enjoy life even more. So with that introduction, I want to look today at what it means to fear God and keep his commands. Um, fear of God is not a cowering fear where we're sort of uh, afraid to be in his presence. Um, do you ever have those experiences where you invite someone to church and they'll, they'll jokingly, half joking, half not, but they'll say, look, if I was to walk into your church, lightning would strike me. Do you, do you get those, those people? As if, as if they're the worst people who've ever walked the planet and God is out to kind of smite them with judgment. It's kind of half joking, but it's half also a way of getting out of a rather awkward invitation, I find. So keep inviting them and making them feel awkward. All right? Uh, watch them squirm. Because church is a great place to be, isn't it? And being in God's presence is a great place to be. I, I love Sunday mornings. Yeah? And isn't it great to be able to, to begin to, uh, to come together again? It, I'm, I'm, my heart is delighted this morning because we're beginning to fill up in here, aren't we? Praise God. My, my, you know, when we can sing and take these things off, even better. But isn't it wonderful to just be in the presence of a holy and awesome and sovereign creator who loves us and he shows that he loves us because he's, our, he's the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he knows each of us by name and he calls us and knows us individually. Isn't that wonderful? So fear is not a cowering fear. It's a reverence, an awe. But it's more than just awe and reverence. Um, and I want to look at three 
aspects of what it means to fear God and keep his commandments this morning so that we can have a full and happy life. First, we fear God by delighting in God's words. Second, we um, fear God by being willing to be disciplined by God's words. And third, by being diligent in the light that the final judgment is coming. We need to live diligently in the light that we will all have to stand before God in, on judgment day. So first, fear God by delighting in his words. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Um, one of the ways that you know that you love God and that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is when you have a hunger and a thirst and a desire for God's word. Uh, I remember the uh, first year I went to um, Soul Survivor and uh, years ago now, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I had such a hunger to read the Bible. Um, that's a Holy Spirit given thing. You get a thirst and a hunger to read scripture when you're filled with the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit are not opposed to one another. That's why in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Truth. He guides us and leads us and gives us a desire to read God's Word so that with David in the Psalm, we can say, Your words taste as sweet as honey. We love to spend time reading and meditating on God's word when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, don't we? We should pray for more of the Spirit, more of that desire. Do you have a desire to read scripture? I hope you do. If you don't, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to give you a hunger and thirst that you would find scripture like honey sweet on your tongue to chew on and enjoy. One of the reasons the Bible is a delight to us is because it was breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit lives in us as Christians, it kind of makes sense to me that the Holy Spirit living in us would want us to enjoy and delight in the very word that he's inspired, right? That kind of makes logical sense, doesn't it? Um, so many people, though, approach Bible reading daily as a kind of chore or duty to tick off. That's not what God wants. The Word of God, the Bible, is a love letter that God wants you to read and delight in. Just as um, uh, years ago, I used to write love letters, believe it or not, to my lovely wife. Uh, I've got out of the habit, Reese. Maybe I should try that again. But, you know... <laughs> When you're, when you're in love, it's not a chore to write love letters, is it? It wasn't a chore for God to, to cause the Holy Spirit to inspire the love letter of the Bible. He did it because he wants us to delight in his words of love to us, right? Good. So if you don't have that desire for God's word, to meditate on it every day and enjoy it, why don't you ask God to fill you with his love for his word? That's how God primarily speaks to us, isn't it? That's how the shepherd calls and speaks to his sheep. It's primarily through the Bible. 
Second, fear God by being willing to be disciplined by his words. Um, verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed at the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. So a shepherd will discipline his sheep. So if the sheep go wandering off to the left or to the right or linger in the wrong place, he will use goads. Um, goads were used by herd drivers in the ancient world to keep animals moving on a straight path. Um, if the, they, were, they were nails embedded uh, in, in, in a staff and they were used to poke and prod the animals. So if the animals wandered to the right, pain. If the animals wandered to the left, pain. If they stayed in the wrong place and didn't move, pain. Now, this wasn't because the shepherd hated the sheep and had a kind of uh, hatred of all things. Uh, there must be a word for sheep-like, but I don't know what it is. Anybody? Bovine. Bovine. Is that right? Or is that cow? I don't know. Should somebody, yeah, let's, there's your homework, all right? All things sheep-like. He, it's not that the shepherd hates his sheep, quite the opposite. He loves the sheep and knows them by name. So he wants them to stay on the narrow path and to find the pasture, right? He wants them to, if they wandered off in the ancient Near Eastern world, they could just get caught up uh, in, 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 in a branch or a rock or something and, and literally, uh, well, we've experienced the heat in the last couple of days, haven't we? But in that climate, you could, the, the sheep could die from exposure, so it was, it was absolutely essential that he kept them on the right path. Ovine. 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 Thank you. Who was that? Bless you. Bless you. Oh, Nigel as well. And my wife there with Ovine. Yeah, you've learned something new today. And it's like that with the word of God, isn't it? The words of God are like goads. And we need goads, don't we? I need goads. Um, it, I'm not talking about physical punishment. I'm talking about the word of God correcting us and keeping us on the narrow path. We go wandering like sheep, don't we? We wander off. We, we go off in the wrong direction from time to time. And we need the gentle prod of our loving shepherd just to get us back on the right path, to say, whoa, 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 back over here. You're wandering. And sometimes the words of God in Scripture are a bit goad-like, aren't they? They're a bit sharp. They can wound. They can hurt. Um, Ecclesiastes is a pretty blunt and sharp book at times, isn't it? I'm not sure I liked uh, Solomon telling me that all is vanity at the beginning of the book. I, I took that quite hard because, you know, is all that I'm doing vanity? I was like, hang on a minute, Solomon. I've put in a few hard miles in my time. And you're telling me it's all vanity. But it's true. Without God at the center, all of our striving, all of our work is just self-glory, isn't it? Who, who are we serving? You know, if we're not serving Christ and his kingdom, if we're doing it for our own self-glory so that others recognize us, it's vanity. So sometimes we need the word of God to correct us, to guide us, to challenge us. We're like sheep who wander. We need to be brought back to our loving shepherd. Thirdly, lastly, fear God 
by living diligently as you prepare for the final judgment. Um, this life is really just preparation for eternity, isn't it? Um, I love what C.S. Lewis uh, once said. He, he got hold of a large book. Have we got a large book? Steve, could you grab me a Songs of Fellowship? They're pretty big, aren't they? I need an, should have thought of this beforehand. Thank you, Steve. That's a big, chunky one. Songs of Fellowship 6. There we go. C.S. Lewis once used this illustration. He said that it's as if the, um, the cover is this life and the book is eternity. So imagine this is your life. Well, we've got the rest of eternity, haven't we, to live. And um, actually, eternity means not 800 pages. It means infinite pages, doesn't it? You know, this is just a, a temporary passing through phase for us. We are pilgrims, to use the words of the hymn writer, so traveling through this barren land. I'm not a Welsh supporter, by the way. You know, we are pilgrims. We are passing through to eternity, aren't we? And a day is coming when we will all have to stand before the creator, the judge, at the end of the final judgment on the last day. Ecclesiastes tells us in verse 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So all those little acts of kindness that you've done for people that were secret, God will expose and bring into his light on the day of judgment. All those things you and I thought we got away with, God, all those careless words that we uttered, God will bring into his light on the day of judgment. But the wonderful truth is that for Christians, this is not ultimately a day of fear and of trembling, but a day of rejoicing, because even though we stand condemned, Christ has already stood in the place of judgment on our behalf. God, in his justice, has to hold us accountable. What else could he do? And yet Christ has borne all of our careless words, all of our throwaway uh, statements that hurt someone, all of the things that we failed to do. He took them when he was nailed to the cross and he dealt with them once and for all. And so when we stand before the creator, the judge, we ultimately will not be condemned because Jesus has taken the penalty for our failure to keep God's law on himself. He's taken the judgment of God's righteous wrath on our sin. So many, sadly, in our world today live as though this world is all there is, you know, trying to squeeze all the juice out of life, um, you know, trying to, to do everything on their list before they depart this mortal coil. There's nothing wrong with experiences in life and going to places and enjoying God's creation. It's just that for the Christian, you will be able to enjoy and renewed heaven and a new earth for eternity. So if you didn't get to go to New Zealand, you, you'll be able to enjoy it for in a transformed, renewed, more glorious form in eternity. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, some of us feel like we're missing out on a little bit of travel. Well, in eternity, you can go anywhere you like. And it will be even more glorious than it is the new earth. 
But at the final judgment, God will expose all the hidden things and the things that have been done and said in plain sight. All of us will have to stand and give an account for whether we've lived and worked for created things or whether we've spent our lives living and working for the Lord. That's what we'll be held accountable for. It will matter what we did with our money, whether we spent it on ourselves or whether we invested our money in the kingdom. It will matter what we did with our bodies. It will matter what our eyes saw. It will matter what our hands touched and our mouths spoke. It will matter for eternity. Because you see, if we invest and store up treasures in heaven, it will have an eternal, it'll be eternal treasure. So if you use your words to speak about Christ and to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ, that counts for eternity. If we invest our resources, our money, our gifts, our skills in the kingdom of God, that will have an impact for eternity. So where are you and I storing up our treasure today? Do your words count for eternity, build up and encourage and point others to Jesus? Or are your words self-centered and self-glory? It matters for eternity what we do and say, who we're serving and how we're serving in this life. Because there is a final judgment day, verse 13. At the end, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So if you want to be ready for judgment day, and we will all have to stand before the creator, whether we've loved or served Jesus or not, what do you do today? You fear God and you keep his commands. Simple, very simple. This is the way to a fulfilled, contented, happy, satisfying life. Fear God and keep his commands. Um, literally, um, it says the whole duty of man or woman, of course. Um, it means that this is all there is to man. That's what it means. Um, fearing God and keeping his commands is really all there is to life. It's not complicated. It's simple. Um, the old commentator, Charles Bridges, says that the whole duty of man is the whole is his whole happiness and business. The total sum of all that concerns him, all that God requires of him or her. We know, though, that we don't always keep God's commands, do we? In fact, we fall at the first hurdle, don't we? Jesus said, in, in answer to what are the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. Anybody in here do that all the time? No. So we all fail to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We fall at the first hurdle, don't we? We deserve the righteous judgment of God. This is why Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all Christians and non-Christians, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
But the wonderful reality is that Jesus has kept the law perfectly. He loved God perfectly and wholly with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when we trust in him, his righteousness becomes ours. God sees us as righteous, not because we've kept the law perfectly, but because when we trust in Jesus, we are united to him, we are one with him, and God sees us as righteous because we are united to Christ. We are one with him. We are joined to him. So this means we do not need to fear the day of judgment because our sin has been dealt with once and for all. And even though God will hold us accountable, he will ultimately declare our innocence. He will justify us. It will be just as if we'd never sinned on the day of judgment because Christ has taken that sin. John puts it like this in 1 John 4. So we have come to know and believe the love of God that, that God has for us. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Isn't that good news? We can come to the day of judgment if we fear God and keep his commands. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Doesn't mean you'll never sin. But it does mean that on the day of judgment, you can have confidence because you stand in the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that good news? We need to tell other people about this stuff so that they would have confidence on the day of judgment too, yeah? Because some people are living as though there is no day of judgment. There is no God. There is no creator. There is no loving shepherd who will hold them accountable. And they're just trying to squeeze every last drop out of life because this life is all there is. That's woefully misguided. They're heading for an eternal destiny outside of heaven, outside of a relationship with God. They're missing out on all the blessings that the creator has for them. Jesus said exactly the same thing in the New Testament, didn't he? In John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Simple. Fear God, keep his commandments. You know, you can sing that, and, and pray that you love God. Anybody can do that. But the real way that you show that you love God is to keep his commandments, is to love and obey his teachings in scripture. That's how you show you love God. You don't show you love God primarily by coming to church, although that's one key way. If you didn't come to church, I'd be worried because you'd be making not worshiping God, not a priority. But if you want to keep God, if you want to fear God, then we need to keep his commandments. And that's how we show that we love him, by making him a priority in our lives. But how do we do this? How do we love God? Because we know that we're like sheep who go astray. We go to the left and to the right, and God's word brings us back, corrects us. But what's the power? How do we get a desire to love God and keep his commands and read his word? Well, Jesus tells us in John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be 
in you. There it is. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit guides us into God's truth in his word. And he gives us the power and the desire to obey God's word. So if this morning you don't have a hunger and a thirst to read God's word and obey it, why don't you ask the spirit of truth, the one who wrote God's word, to give you a hunger and a desire for God's word and to give you the power to obey it? Because that's how you love God and keep his commands, is when the Holy Spirit who dwells in you gives you a hunger and a thirst for God's word and the power to obey it. And we all need more of that, don't we? Let's pray. Jesus, we confess this morning that, that we do not always keep your commandments. We don't even keep the first one, Lord, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, forgive us for falling short of your glory, but thank you for Jesus. Thank you that where we fall short, he kept the law perfectly. And his righteousness becomes our righteousness by faith. But Lord, we know that we need more power, the spirit of truth working in and through us to give us a greater hunger and thirst for your word. Oh Lord, give us this morning where we're dry, Lord, where we're lacking in desire for you and for your word. Lord, would you give us a desire for your word that like David in the Psalms, we can say your word to us is sweeter than honey. Lord, may we say with David, I delight in your word, your law. Lord, thank you for the love letter of the, of the Bible. Thank you for all your words to us in the Bible, which are your love letter to us. Father, help us to read the word, the Bible, with that in mind, and to experience your loving presence in our lives. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill us with more love for the Father, more love for your word, more love for Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Lord, where we're dry, Lord, would you refresh our souls with the life-giving water of your spirit this morning? Speak, O oh Lord, Continue to speak, O oh Lord, every day to us as we read your word and pray. Speak to us through your word, Lord, and help us to obey. That we might fear you, Lord, and keep your commands. And find life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Martin. So we're going to finish with the song that Martin was just quoting there, Speak, O Lord. Shape
Father, we want to just come before you and thank you and praise you. Fill our hearts with praise. Fill our minds with your knowledge, with your scripture, Lord, with wisdom and understanding. For we want to see Jesus lifted high. And so we bless you and thank you. Amen. Just to mention, if you do want